Well, today we're beginning a sermon series about looking for God in some unlikely places. And this is something I like to do every year, no matter the church. And I like to be challenged by you to look for God in places around here. Because the truth of it is that the Bible says we can find God not just in these walls and with one another, but we can really find God out in our world if we just open our eyes and start looking. And so I've been challenged, like last night I was at Pooties. Yes, looking for God. And I'll tell y'all when I figure that out. It's going to have to be sometime. <laughs> going to have to be sometime before next Sunday when I talk about where I found God at Pooties. Um, but so these are all places that you suggested to me to challenge me. Now, listen, if I can find God at Pooties, then we can find God in our places of work. Then we can find God in our schools. Then we can find God anywhere in our world because truly God is here among us. Now, I wanted to read to you from Psalm... See, I'm going to be challenged now because I moved my marker. From Psalm 19, this is where we're going to begin. And I think it's verses 1 through 4. This talks about how we hear the word of God outside of an actual church building. The heavens proclaim the glory of God. The skies display his craftsmanship. Day after day they continue to speak. Night after night they make him known. They speak without a sound or a word. Their voice is never heard, yet their message has gone throughout the earth and their words to all the world. And who of us has not looked up at the night sky and thought, there really is someone who is greater than me here in this world? So that's what, this is what the psalmist is writing about, is how when he looks at the sky, he sees the message of God to people saying, you know, this is not it. Now, let's turn to the book of Acts, Acts chapter 14. One of the, probably the greatest missionary, evangelist, um, person who told people about God in the early church was the Apostle Paul. Paul went all over the world, and every town he went in, when he said the name Jesus, that might have been the first time they ever heard that name. When Paul got there. But Paul knew something. He knew that even if they had never heard the name Jesus, God had already been there in that town before he got there. That he just had to go in and look for where God was. He's in Lystra and Derby here, and this is what he says to them. In the past, God permitted all the nations to go their own ways, but he never left them without evidence of himself and his goodness. So even if you don't know the name of Jesus, even if you don't know that there is one God, God has been leaving you, this nation, with evidence of him. And this is the evidence Paul sees. For instance, he sends you rain and good crops and gives you food and joyful hearts. So that, that sense of something more that you didn't know, Paul is saying, that is the God of heaven. Let me point him out to you because you've already seen him at work. So we're going to be looking for God where God is at work in our community so that we can realize wherever we go, we're not the first people there, that God always goes before us. Now, is that true with school? Hopefully, right? But a lot of people are trying to keep God out of school. Do you think he might have snuck in? I think he might have. Let me tell you, I, when I was in middle school... It was hard for me to see God there. It was pretty awful, atrocious experience. Any of y'all ever been to middle school? Yeah? Okay. Do you agree with me? I mean, it's pretty crazy. When I was in middle school, as with everybody, it's like, you know, puberty and hormones and all that craziness and classes get a little harder. Back in my day, and some of y'all will remember this, do you remember the miracle bangs? 
Do you remember that? The girls who had bangs like up to here with hair, a whole can of hairspray and it looked like a waterfall. Do you know who had miracle bangs in our own church? Summer Miller did. <laughs> after, our, after my first sermon, she said, I had those bangs because I have curly hair and you can get it to go up to here, you know. So there were all these girls with the waterfall bangs and there were all these bigger kids in middle school. But the most terrifying part of middle school, and I went to Garner Middle School in San Antonio. It's like an institution. It looks like kind of like a prison or a reform place or something. It's got actual bars to keep you in. And so they send you in. And I was kind of bummed because, you, you know, in fifth grade you have a playground, right? In sixth grade, what do you get? A blacktop. Have fun, you know, go on. Or for, for fun, they'd make us go run laps on the track, right? Recess, go run some laps. Okay, so, but to get out there, you could either, during that fortunate lunch period, you could walk through the cafeteria. But any other time, if you had to get out to the blacktop or out to the running track, you had to pass through a certain hallway. It was long. It was painted lime green, cinder block lime green. And it had those flickering lights, you know, but that was not the worst thing about it. It was narrow too. the worst thing about it. I was in sixth grade. I had to walk through it and I noticed that there was something not right about the ceiling. Very not right about the ceiling. It, have, has anybody ever been in a cave and seen stalactites? Yep. There were some not so good looking stalactites hanging all the way down the ceiling of this hallway. Do you know what this hallway was called? The loogie hallway. You know what a loogie is? I had to find out too. A loogie is something boys hack up and spit somewhere. And they wanted to spit it at the ceiling of the loogie hallway. So you know what you had to do? You had to move and you had to not look up as much as you wanted to. Because it's better it hit you in the head than it hit you in the eye. That was my middle school experience. It was, it was awesome? Okay. Garner Middle School. Look it up, okay? Now, the good news is Lake Travis Middle School is very clean. They will not allow loogie hallways at Lake Travis Middle School. That was back in the dark days. But there are still minefields, aren't there, in school. There are still things that you have to navigate. My daughter, Anna, it's her first year at B-Cave Elementary, and so she doesn't know where anything is, right, Anna? So that's kind of, if you're in kindergarten or if you're in sixth grade or if you're a freshman, you don't know where anything is in your new school. Um, even if you, you're not new to the school, you don't know who's going to be in your class or who you, if you're going to like your teacher. Um, you don't know if, if you're in high school. I remember my big thing was, who has my lunch period? Do my friends have my lunch period? Because, oh my goodness, if all my friends are in the A lunch and I'm in the B lunch, oh, I might as well just go sit down in the loogie hallway and make some miracle bangs or something. So, it would be really nice, wouldn't it, if God was in school? Because then we could know no matter where we went, we weren't alone. And what, I've been, what I'll do in this series is tell you where I have seen God. And this is when I've been in schools, and I've been in schools a lot, um, just as a pastor, you get to go there, and I've observed things. And one of the hardest things I've observed about schools is how much they do something to you. Where's Keely? Are you ready? When you're in school, and this is true throughout life, 
It's not just in school. But when you're in school, people will look at you, at the outside of you, and they will start to decide who you are, right? They might decide some nice things about you, like that you're smart. That's not bad. Or they might decide that you're cool. Or they might decide that you're popular. And they'll write that, hey, Keely's really popular. Or they might decide that you're funny, right? But then they might look at you and they might decide some other things. The problem is you don't just get all these good notes. People start writing not-so-nice notes. And they'll write the notes based on what they see about the car that takes you to school or the car you drive or the family you come from or the hair color you have or the eye color or how tall you are or how short, things that you can't do anything about. And they'll start labeling you like, Keely, how about being a redneck today? (laughs) Redneck, you want to be a rich kid and a poor kid at the same time? Yeah? Because to some people you might be a rich kid and to some people a poor kid. How about shorty? Because next to me you're short. Somebody might call you shorty. But next to Leah, you're tall. So here you're tall. What about skinny? Mm, Skinny. And we'll put fat on you too because, you know, you never know. People say ugly things. What about dumb jock? Like athletic? If you're athletic, people could say nasty things about you too. Band dweeb? I bet some people in here have been called band nerds. I bet there are some. Some of the same people may be playing in the band now. Okay. No offense, guys. It's just what happens. Loser. Outcast. You want to turn around? I'm losing. You're a thug and a bully. And who, Keely, you remember who helped me come up with all these names? The kids. The kids have heard all these things. Nerd, brain, mama's boy. I know your girl. Kiss up. What about this one? Jesus freak. Somebody might even make fun of you because you believe in God. Close-minded. Party pooper. Snobby, pretty, we'll stick this in here, ugly, ugly should probably go with pretty because people say that all the time, okay, and then this is a blank one which just goes for everything else, okay, now turn around, (laughs) now listen, the truth is that by the time we get to be seniors in high school, we look like Keely does or worse from all the labels that people have given us. All the words that they have written and the things that they think about us, and we're just covered in post-it notes. Now I'll ask you, though this happens in school, is this who Keely is? It's not, is it? And this is where I actually found God in school. Can you hang on for a minute while I tell this story? I was, um, I was visiting a first grade classroom. I was reading books to them. That's what I did as, as the pastor there. And I did it once a week, but one day I decided to stay. I stayed through recess, and the kids were all playing, and they were doing stuff, and um, they were showing me their tricks. Pastor Laura, look at this, a cartwheel. Pastor Laura, look at this, I can run fast, or look at this, you know, what we're doing, singing a song. And there was this little boy, Carlos, who was six years old, first grader, and he said, Pastor Laura, watch me do the monkey bars. And I did, and they were in this long S shape, and there were all these kids, like, kind of hanging there, like, parked, and Carlos could get around them, you know, and he could, he didn't drop one time, and by the time he got to the end, I was like, wow, that was awesome. And as he's swinging on the last bar of the monkey bars, he says to me something about this. He says, you know, at my last school, they called me loser. 
It's like a post-it note right here on his face. You could tell. He just felt like it was so crushing. I said, really, Carlos? He said, yeah, they called me loser and they called me zero. And I said, do they call you that here? Because I was worried for him. And he said, no, here they call me tough guy. You see? So he had decided he didn't like the loser and the zero. He was going to be the tough guy here. But none of those things seemed to fit him. So I said, I don't know why I asked him this, but I asked this little six-year-old, but Carlos, who are you really? Who are you in your heart? Now, before I tell you what he said to me, because it's amazing, I want you to look at Keely. If you're a kid, if you're an adult. And I want you to think about the words other people have stuck to you. The words that are sticking to you even now. The words maybe you have stuck on other people. Which of these are you ready to get rid of? Which of these have you let for too long define you? Or define how you think of someone else? And then if I asked you the question I asked that six-year-old, who are you really, beyond the post-it notes of what other people say, what would you say? This is what he said. He looked at me for a long time like this. I thought, oh, no, I've asked a a six-year-old a question that you shouldn't ask a six-year-old. And then he looked me in the eye and he said, I know who I am. And I said, who are you, Carlos? He said, I am God's child. That's who I am. And then he ran off to play. I was like, whoa. Talk about finding God at a school. That six-year-old knew something about his heart that some of us still haven't figured out. This is what, hang on for one second more. This is what the scripture, the last scripture I want to share in 2 Peter says. Talks about who we are. Okay. You are not like that. You are a chosen people. You are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Is this you? The world likes to write these notes and stick them on you and tell you that they have down who you are. But this isn't you. This isn't you. At our hearts, God tells us that we are a chosen people, that we are dearly loved, that yes, once we felt like we were nobody, but now if we accept this call from God, then we are God's own people, a holy nation, that we have an identity that shapes us from the inside out so that nothing anybody ever writes down can ever tell us who we are from the outside in. We know, we carry that with us everywhere we go. There we go. Thank you, girl. She did good, didn't she? Children's stickers, y'all. Children's stickers. What God gives us is from the inside out. So that we can shape the world instead of being shaped by it. And let me tell you something. We need a kingdom of priests at Bee Cave Elementary. Kids, you are God's kingdom of priests at Bee Cave Elementary. And we need God's own people at Lake Travis Middle School and a holy nation of students at Lake Travis High School. And we certainly need God's own people at the University of Texas, don't we? 
Yeah, I know. I think that more than others because I'm an Aggie. You just, yeah. Hey, there's a few. Okay. Okay. Everywhere you go, people will try to stick things on you and tell you that's who you are. Don't let them do that. God gives us an identity that looks at those and just laughs, shakes them off, throws them in the trash, whatever. Because we know who we are beyond the labels. Let's pray. God, we pray that you would help us remember that whatever people say of us, even if it's hurtful, that you love us, that you have called us, that we are chosen, that we are yours. We know that we live in this world then, but help us to live with roots sunk deep into your identity. To know that wherever we go, we are yours, you are going with us, and that we can truly change this world and share your goodness and love as the scripture says. Help us to do that at the beginning of this school year and all the days of our life. Amen.